She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Please join us in singing Away in a Manger.
uh, give them a round of applause. That was great. Good job, kids. You did a great job. So welcome, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There we are. It's okay to say Merry Christmas. I'm so excited that we get to spend Christmas Eve together and sing songs of praise to who it's all about, our Lord and our King, Jesus. And so Chris is going to come up and share. And now if you guys have been with us the past couple of Sundays of Advent, we've had one of the dads lead all the kids in an Advent reading. So all the kids who didn't get to be a part of the singing up here, I want to invite you all up now. You're welcome to come up and listen to Chris lead us here in this reading. Find some room in here. I'm going to come right up. How about right here? All right. How's it going, everybody? That was amazing singing. Thank you so much for that. That was such a blessing. It makes the Christmas that much more special. So thank you, all the kids who sang. Um, anyway, who knows what we're celebrating tomorrow? Jesus! <laughs> nice answer. I thought somebody was going to say Christmas. I was going to have to remind you. But you got it right. So Santa's great and all that, but we're celebrating Jesus tomorrow, right? We're celebrating Christmas. So also, have you guys uh, enjoyed your Advent season? Have you guys been enjoying coming up here every week? Yes. Do you guys remember what Advent means? Anybody? Coming. They're coming, yeah. So we're waiting. We're expecting. Who's coming? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. All right. So you guys know all the right answers. So um, anyway, I'm going to have uh, Asher light the Advent candle. Does anybody know what Advent candle we're lighting now? The Christ candle, that's the most important one. All right, so he's going to like that. Well, and you know, Christmas would not be Christmas without somebody reading the story from Luke. So that's kind of obligatory, so I'm going to do that. Um, but as Christians, girls and boys, we believe that the story really happened, all right? Some other stories about Christmas time are just make-believe, but this one is real. So um, this is something that we want to listen to and listen to the Word of God. So what I want you guys to do as you listen to this narrative, this is something that really, truly happened in space and time. And uh, he's gotten up there. So. so as you listen to this, I want you guys to try to hear God breaking through and the glory of God coming through in the story, okay? So, so this is from uh, Luke 2, 1 through 20. And I'm going to read it since it's kind of long, so... Um, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear kind of like him. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So that is the word of God. So, so I'm going to say a prayer now, okay? And I want you guys, when we're done here, we can go over there. We're going to get some uh, crayons and uh, paper like we did last time. And he can help pass that over there. Um, so anyway, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, as we ponder these things, help us, like Mary, treasure them in our hearts. And like the shepherds, to be amazed at the good news of your incarnation. Stir us anew, Lord, with the wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. And as we sing Silent Night at the end of the service, I pray that it would stir our hearts in new ways as we see the darkness of this room filled not only with the light from the candles, but also with the radiant beams from thy holy face. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you would use this night to shed the light of your redeeming grace on the hearts and minds of anyone here who doesn't see their need for a savior. Wondrous star, lend thy light so we can all sing with the angels. Alleluia to our King, Christ the Savior is born. Amen. It's so good to be with family on Christmas Eve. Let's all stand together. You'll get your kids back, I promise. Once they get their coloring pages, you'll get your kids back. Some Christmas songs don't make sense. Have you ever thought about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, what we're about to sing? Why are we singing about ransoming captive Israel? Who's Israel? If you've been around here very long, we're not talking about the country. We're talking about the church. God's possession, his people that he has chosen is the bride of Christ, the church. We are Israel. So some of these Christmas songs take on a new meaning in that light. So as we sing together, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, let's remember who we are, the people of God, the body of Christ, the true Israel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Shout. 
of 
the world. Christ has come. Amen. You may be seated. Good job, Charlotte. Wow. Very good. Welcome, everyone. If you're visiting with us uh, tonight, my name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here at the West Campus of Front Range Alliance Church, and it is great uh, to have you with us this evening on Christmas Eve. I'm going to steal that for a moment. So uh, we've been going through this Advent series, and we've been looking at the, uh, the, the candles over there. One of them has burned out. Is that the Hope Candle? Which one? 
Now you got me all worried about my sweater. That's my wife. That's her job. Anyway, we've been walking through the Advent uh, uh, season. There are four, well, five, if you count tonight, uh, different uh, virtues that we talk about at Advent, and uh, hope and love and joy and peace, and tonight is, nobody was listening to you, Chris, Christ, it's the Christ candle, it's the Christ night, because it's the night we talk about Christ, and we've been looking at different prophecies as they point to this thing, this, this event that we are celebrating tonight. And we have looked at Isaiah 9 in particular, where several hundred years before the coming of Jesus, God said through his prophet Isaiah, there will be a child born for you, and on his shoulders will be the kingdom that will last forever, and there will be no end to the increase of his kingdom or of peace. The child will be born. And in the the passage that Chris read to the kids, and I know none of you were listening to him because you were all watching the cute little kids and wondering what they were looking at over there. Actually, as all the kids were here and everyone was distracted, I thought, this gives you all a taste of what I face every Sunday. (laughs) I I like that. Anyway, so here's the portion of the passage that Chris read that Isaiah was pointing toward. This is in Luke 2 again. And the angel said, this is the angel of the Lord, remember? The angel, uh, this is God himself shows up at the birth of his son. And the holy, uh, the glory of the Lord rather, and he says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. That is a fulfillment of the promises that God made through Isaiah, a child will be born. And the first thing God says about this child is he will be a savior. And that's what we think about on Christmas Eve. We think of the incarnation. Now, if you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, you hear a word like incarnation, and you think, what incarnation is that? See what I did there? Uh, Incarnation is just a fancy word for taking on flesh. And one of the things that we celebrate at Christmas is God himself, the God who created the universe, the God who made you, became a human being. This child that Charlotte just sang about, when Mary kissed his face, she was kissing the face of God himself. He is God. If you ponder that long enough, your head will explode. How is that possible? That this baby, who would be a boy and then a man, he is God. I don't know how that's possible. It's just what the Bible says. And he came to be a human because we all had a problem. Every single one of us and everyone who is alive when Jesus was born and everyone who is alive before that and Mary herself had a problem. We have all disobeyed God. We've all done what we want to do and said, I'm going to be in charge of of my life. I don't care what you say, God. I'm going to do my thing. And that sin, the Bible calls that sin, and God is a just judge and he will punish sinners. And Jesus came and joined us and became one of us and he himself did not sin. But he died as though he had sinned, and he took upon himself the judgment, the wrath, 
that every one of us deserves. And Jesus said, if you will believe that, if you'll believe in me, I will forgive you of all your sins. God said, I will forgive you of all the things you've done wrong in your life if you will believe in my death and resurrection. Well, he could have died and he couldn't have come back to life if he wasn't a man. That's what we mean by incarnation. In the beginning, the word was God, the word was with God, and he became flesh. He joined us. And uh, Philippians 2 talks about how he didn't see equality with God, something to be grasped. He could have clutched on to being God in glory, but he didn't do that. He came and joined us as a human. And he's our Savior. The child has been born for you, Christ our Savior. And every single person, if you're in this room tonight and you, you know you've done wrong things and you are weighed down with guilt and shame, you can be forgiven tonight if you believe in Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. And this is great joy for all the people, it says. And that's what we focus on because that's what matters most to each of us as individuals. Our problem with God, we need that problem solved, and Jesus came to solve that. So that's, that's what Christianity uh, starts with when it comes to uh, me and you as an individual. But he didn't stop. God didn't stop when he said, behold, a child will be born for you, a Savior. He said something else after that. He is Christ the Lord, the King. And that's another thing that Isaiah prophesied. This, this prophet hundreds of years beforehand said this one who would come and he would set up a kingdom and he would reign and rule forever. That started 2,000 years ago. Jesus is reigning and he's been reigning for 2,000 years. And there's another prophecy that we don't usually talk about at Christmas, but it's important. God said, when, that, when my son is born, and then he dies, and then he comes back to life, he says, I will raise him up and put him at my right hand in the throne of heaven. And he said, here, it, the way it's described is God says, sit here at my right hand until I make all of your enemies a footstool. That's an interesting concept. Jesus, uh, think of him sitting next to the, to the throne of God, and God says, just sit here, and all the en enemies of yours on planet Earth, I'm going to make it so you can just do this, except it'd be a lot easier for him because he'd actually have something to rest his feet on. I'm going to make all of your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus has enemies. Well, that takes us all the way back to the very beginning of the story, the story, every story, in the book of Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth. God made Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God, right, created heaven and earth, and he made everything there is, and he made Adam and Eve, and he told Adam and Eve basically two things, reproduce, make, make more humans, fill the earth with human beings and rule over it. Take charge of this earth. They were put in a garden, and God had done some work apparently, but it was just a uh, kind of a, a, a startup. From that point forward, mankind, human beings, were supposed to expand the garden and take over the world and do amazing things with this world. And apparently they started, but the enemy showed up. He shows up in the form of a snake, and he deceives the woman into disobeying God, and that's where all of our problems began. 
Eve disobeyed God, and then she coerced, seduced, led her husband to disobey God, and they both disobeyed God, and now everybody follows in their suit and disobeys God and failed to do all that they were called to do. So we walk through the scripture and we have this competition between those who want to please God and those who follow the serpent. And the Bible describes these as seeds, offspring, sons, if you will. And and he said right at the beginning, after their disobedience, she's going to have a son who will someday crush your head, serpent. You're going to bruise him on the heel, but he's going to crush your head. And through the whole Old Testament, we have this story played out of, of Satan, the serpent, trying to destroy those who decide, who try to please God. And most of the world becomes like the serpent's offspring. They disobey. Uh, we turn a few chapters into Genesis, and you see the whole world is full of people who don't care about God whatsoever. And God brings the flood. You've heard of Noah's flood, no doubt. Noah was the one person, he and his family, who was spared from the flood. And then you think, well, maybe everybody will learn their lesson and they'll obey God. But they didn't. Very quickly, the world becomes full of people who don't care about God anymore. And this time, God, instead of bringing a flood, he, he separates them all over the planet, gives them different languages and things because they had decided they were going to build their kingdom. And God says, no, I'm not going to let you build your kingdom. It's my kingdom that matters. And so he, he scatters them. And, um, but they're still full of people who don't care about God whatsoever. And God shows up to one of them named Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to come follow me. I want you to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And I'm going to bless all the peoples of the earth through your son. There's that idea of son again. Seed, the offspring, the son. But not everybody who was born to Abraham and his family really cared about God. So God took this nation of Israel. That's what we were talking about. That's what Jordan was talking about. This nation of Israel. And he said, I'm going to build my kingdom through Israel. But Israel didn't follow God. But through the promises to Israel, God said, There's going to be an, I'm going to make another promise about a son. David, the king, is going to have a son, and he's going to sit on that throne forever. David obeyed God, his son didn't really obey God, his grandsons and great-grandsons, they didn't obey God very well at all, and they led Israel into all kinds of disobedience to God. All along the way, God is saying, someday I'm going to bring a king who will change everything. And he said through Isaiah, I'm going to send my son, and this son will put the kingdom on his shoulders And his kingdom will never stop increasing. It's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And he will reign over heaven and earth. When God shows up with the birth of Jesus and says, Behold, I have good news for you, good news of great joy. For behold, there is born for you a son who is Savior and Christ the Lord. He's the fulfillment of all those promises. Jesus was Lord at his birth, and he grew up to a man. He died. He rose again, and today he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's been expanding his kingdom for 2,000 years. 
Now, it's just this point that I think we as Christians don't always believe the Bible. Because we look out the world and we see there's a lot of bad stuff happening. And we can get very, very pessimistic. It doesn't seem like Jesus is reigning, or at least he's not reigning very well sometimes, right? You look at all the disease, all the sickness, all the wars, all the stuff going on. But when you think about it, there is improvement. Wars are relatively fewer than they were a thousand years ago. Diseases are relatively fewer than they were a thousand years ago. Life expectancy of human beings is greater than it was a thousand years ago. Jesus is building his kingdom. He is overcoming his enemy. What Jesus is doing, what he's been doing for 2,000 years, is enabling us as his followers to do what Adam and Eve were supposed to do in the very beginning, fill this earth with people who will follow God and subdue it, rule over it, advance civilization in every way, because he's king. Think about it. Here we are sitting in this, in this room. I'm a little warm. I don't know about you, but I'm a little warm. The air conditioner just came on. See, now I'm a little bit warm, and I'm complaining about it. If it were a little colder, all the women would be complaining about it. And I found that in most Sunday mornings, women complain if it's too cold, and men complain if it's too hot, until they get to a certain age, and then they switch. <laughs> in this room, we have a great deal of control over how hot it is or how cool it is. It, has, it wouldn't be very far in the past when we would have relative, uh, very little control. We'd have, to, we'd have to have somebody up here, several somebodies, with a big wood pile continuing to keep the fires going or else you would all be freezing, right? That's advancement. That's better. Every one of you has more power in your pocket than the world has ever known. I mean, there's more computing power in your pocket. Some of you have it on your wrist. There's more computing power on your wrist than took up huge floors of buildings just a few decades ago. Mankind is finally subduing the earth the way we were supposed to at the very beginning. If you think about all the technological advances from, from Adam and Eve until the coming of Christ, it pales in comparison to what we've seen in the last 2,000 years. Now, there were some great feats before Christ, for sure, like the pyramids. I still don't get that. Maybe some of you engineers can explain that to me. But that's pretty crazy. But comparatively, what we have seen since the coming of Christ blows away anything that happened before. How about health? How about medical science? I could go through this room right now and start picking out people that I know have had cancer. And you're healthy now. That's relatively recent. It would have been very long ago when the diagnosis of cancer meant your life is, is done. Think about all the diseases we have all but eliminated. Nobody gets polio around here anymore. And all those poxes there, you know, except for chicken pox, which for some reason we want our kids to get, 
But the other poxes we pretty much have wiped out. Is someone going to find the cure to cancer someday? I think so. I think so. We are moving forward in subduing this earth because Jesus Christ is reigning and he is building his kingdom. And we were told at the very beginning there would be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. God says in this Luke 2 passage, when he, when he shows up at the birth, he says, this is my son. He doesn't actually say that. He says, there will be a son born for you who is Christ the Lord. And then you remember what the army of angels cried out, glory to God in the highest, and what on earth? Peace. That's not a future thing. That's a present thing when Jesus was born. And that peace has expanded. Yeah, there's some scary people out there. There's dictators out there that we don't want to mess with. But there aren't as many as there used to be. All these different ways we're seeing God reigning through his son Jesus. Uh, as many of you know, um, earlier this year, my dad passed away. And I told my family, I might mention this, and I'm not going to look at them because my wife will start crying, and then I'll start crying, and we'll be here forever. My dad lived to be 96 years old. Tomorrow will be the first Christmas in my entire life that I will not be able to talk to my dad on Christmas. 96 years he lived on, the, on this earth. But he shouldn't have. He should have died 10 years ago. I packed up my family, got in our van, drove back to St. Louis where we're from because my dad had a heart valve problem and the doctors said, you're going to die very soon if we don't replace that heart valve. So we went back because he was going to have open heart surgery and the doctors said to him that if you don't get this done, you won't live another year, maybe, certainly not two, uh, but at your age, after you have open heart surgery, for a month, you'll wish you were dead, and then for an entire year, you'll slowly recover, and if all goes well, you can live a few more years with this new heart valve. But at your age, and with all this going on, there's a chance uh, that, that it won't turn out well. So we packed up, we went home, and was expecting to spend a while there and help him recover and help my mom take care of him. So we get there, and the surgeon who did some, some pre-op stuff and examinations came and met with me and my brother and my mom and said, uh, look, I got to tell you, I'm a surgeon. I love to do surgery. I would not do surgery on that man if he were my dad because his heart is so calcified that what will happen is I'll get him on the table and one of those pieces of calcium will dislodge and he'll have a stroke and he'll die right there. So we thought we had no hope, no choice. There's, there's no answer here. He's only going to live maybe another year. In God's gracious providence, we found that at Washington University there in St. Louis, there was a man pioneering a new way to replace heart valves, not through cracking open the chest, but through inserting a catheter up through the thigh. 
and taking a, either a synthetic valve or a pig valve. And a pig valve, they said he would live maybe another 10 or 12 years, or a synthetic maybe 15 years, but the synthetic might not take, so having the organic matter of the pig valve would be better. And he was torn back and forth as to which one to choose. He said, if I do the pig valve, then every time I eat bacon, I'm going to feel like I'm a cannibal. <laughs> but he went with that option anyway. And they inserted the new valve inside the old valve, and he went home three days later and felt amazing. He said, I feel like I'm 70. <laughs> and he lived 10 more years, and he did not die in January of a bad heart valve. I'm thankful for medical science and technology that they didn't have even 12 years ago. And now it's standard operating procedure, apparently, for those who need heart valve replacements. Is that just luck? Not a chance. Jesus Christ is reigning and ruling over heaven and earth. Today he is king. And his first concern is that every one of us call upon him for forgiveness and receive forgiveness. He came to die and then rise again. And it's very personal. And he's building his kingdom through people like you and me believing that that is true. But he is also fulfilling the original design for mankind, that we would subdue this earth and bring the kingdom of God to this earth. We are to pray this in the Lord's Prayer, right? Thy kingdom come on earth, at, may your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. That's what we are to pray. And he is building his kingdom on earth, and we are subduing the earth. This means that every single thing we do every day matters. Everything you do has purpose. Because you have the opportunity tonight and tomorrow and the next day to expand the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And as the church does that, his kingdom grows and his peace grows. Now, I don't know what all that means for the final end. I know there are other, other passages that talk about uh, the wheat and the tares growing up together, and there's going to be tares, and there's always going to be evil people around. I don't, I don't know what the future looks like exactly, except that I do know that now that the, the Son of God has come, his kingdom and his peace will never stop increasing. So as you're opening your Christmas gifts tonight or tomorrow, whenever you do that, and you're enjoying just the festivities of Christmas as you're enjoying eggnog and way too much fudge and other candy and eating and, and having a great time, take some time. Remember the Christmas story. Remember that Jesus was born as a man to save us. But also remember he didn't just save you and then poof, get transported up into heaven and he's not doing anything. He's reigning. He's ruling. Your life matters. Your work matters. Because Jesus is building his kingdom. Celebrate. Rejoice. Enjoy his good gifts. And serve him as king. We're going to join with millions and millions and millions of other Christians tonight.
And uh, we're going to hold little candles. Come on up, music team. We're going to hold candles. We're going to sing a song that admittedly is not my favorite Christmas song. And I was tempted to ruin this one for you like I've ruined a couple others this Advent season, but I'm not going to because there are two redeeming lines in this song. Christ the Savior is born. That is true. And if you have faith in him, if you believe in him, if you trust in him tonight, he's your Savior. He was born and he came to save you. The other line is Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Do you believe that? Thank you. Somebody does. At his birth. Oh, see, the kids are putting you to shame, adults. <laughs> Jesus, Lord at his birth. His lordship did not stop when he ascended into heaven. It didn't get put on hold, wasn't suspended. He's not up there saying, tell me, Father, when do I get my kingdom? He was Lord at his birth, and he rules right now. So as we sing this together, as we, uh, the ushers, go ahead. Do we have some people who are going to light the candles, or are we supposed to just pretend? All right, we got lighters. Come on up and get your candles. And if you would, just I need to give you instructions. I was given very, very clear instruction to give you instructions. 